Most products that you advertise, they're basically just a better version of something people already understand or something that when you combine them, people instantly get it. Sometimes having low production value is better than high production value or even medium production values. And providing good customer service is not that hard if you care. So this is part two of my interview with Stephen Stashen of Zero Shoes. Enjoy the the rest of this um, episode. I'm sure you've enjoyed this part, part one. That's why you're tuning into part two. Terrific episode and enjoy. Cheers. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Interesting. So, so you, you mentioned you have a CFO, you have a CEO, or you take care of, um, you know, your warehouse staff and your customer happiness, you know, team. How, how many people work for, for Zero Shoes now in the United States, um, not including your European um, and, you know, international operations? Uh, if I don't include the European office, I think it's about 60 Okay. Okay. And would you say um, most of the functions are operational or um, and or marketing? How what what is the split by by department? Um, well, the marketing side. So I've been an internet marketer since 1992, and so I've built kind of a distributed agency, if you will. So guys that I've known and guys that I've met over the years who I know are really talented. Um, I don't have a lot of it in-house because anyone smart enough to know what I want them to do in-house would be smart enough to immediately quit and start a small agency. <laughs> I uh, like that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm mostly working with guys like that. <laughs> so and, uh, interesting. So so you're, you're building a near $40 million company. Yeah. And you don't have a marketing department. It's it's outsourced. Well, it's not that we don't have a marketing department. It's that there's a lot of it that's out. That's Got it that other people are handling. I mean, I'm bringing, I actually just hired a VP of digital marketing. Um, uh, who's one of the few people I've met who knows this stuff as well, if not better than I do and has a different skill set than I do. I'm more of a creative marketing person. She's an operational marketing person. So mm. it's a great combination. Um, we actually have a director of e-commerce as well. Um, and we have, uh, our technical team is very e-commerce savvy uh, also. So that's kind of the internal components. We also have, some guys handling graphics um, and video. And so there's, 
there's some internal, some external. Okay. But we're not working with that quote agency who does everything for you because whenever they approach me, I go, look, for the nine different things that I need to do, there's only five guys on the planet who are really, really smart at those at each of those nine things, and you have none of them working for you. Mm. So uh, no. Uh, and in fact, um, more, sometimes they'll say, we're the fastest growing marketing company. And what I go, oh, then I definitely can't work with you. We're on off the bill operation, fast, right? <laughs> yeah, there's, no, there's only so much talent in the world. And if you're growing that fast, you're hiring people who aren't that good. And you're not going to let me work the guys in charge, and they're the uh, only ones that are smart enough for me to talk to. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel I, I, you need a bespoke. You know, if if you're going to outsource, yeah. it, it has to be bespoke, not not mass production from a market. Well, and for standpoint. us in particular, because look, yeah. most products that you advertise, they're basically just a better version of something people already understand, or something that when you combine them, people instantly get it. Like if I say to you, chocolate vitamins, I don't need to say anything else. You get the whole story. Mm-hmm. It's all the fun of chocolate, all the benefits of vitamins. How, we, what else is there to say? In our world, we're trying to help people understand that what the footwear industry has been doing for 50 years is convincing you that you're broken, that you need arch support, and you need motion control, and you need all these things that you just don't need. We know the CEOs of major footwear brands who've said that this whole natural movement idea is real, but they can't do it because it would be admitting that everything they said for 50 years is a lie. Right. So- we're having to get people to unbelieve something that they have been taught for 50 years. Yeah. That's a very different strategy than just a better version of something you already believe. Absolutely. Because that's all the shoe companies have been doing for 50 years. Here's better cushioning. Here's different cushioning. Here's better art support, despite the fact that none of those things have ever been proven to provide benefits. People believe that because that's what they've been told. Mm. And a better version of what they already believe, very easy to sell. Mm. The difference is that when people try on our shoes, they have such a profound experience, they don't want to wear anything else. Mm. We have so many customers who say, our entire family wears nothing but zero shoes. Combined, we own 100 pairs. Mm. And you don't hear that about Nike or Reebok or Merrill or Brooks or whomever else. Mm -hmm. So there's this huge education piece up front, I guess, in, in your funnel. Yeah. Okay. It's a little different than education. The first thing is pattern interrupt to get them to care and pay attention and to go, huh, and to be, and to wonder. So like I have um, one video that starts by saying, um, quick question, do your feet feel better at the end of the day than they do at the beginning of the day? Mm. And if your answer is no, you're not alone. And it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because your shoes are getting in the way. You're not wearing the right shoes. We make footwear so comfortable, so lightweight that not only do people come home and forget to take them off at the end of the day, uh, some people have said they went to bed still wearing them because they forgot they had them on. And I literally, right before you and I got on together, got an email from, I can, this is perfect for the UK. Remember Tasha Danvers? Yes. Two-time Olympian. Mm -hmm. Tasha emailed me saying, oh my God, I love your shoes. Normally at the end of the day, my feet are killing me. I forgot to take yours off at the end of the day. So, you know, so, so that pattern interrupt of, do your feet feel better at the end of the day? Or another one that I did is, um, I won't wear comfortable shoes. I refuse to wear comfortable shoes. You shouldn't wear comfortable shoes either. And then what I do is debunk the idea of what we think comfort is. So we think comfort means cushioning and padding and motion control when anything that immobilizes your foot, like immobilizing any joint makes it weaker over time. And what real comfort is, that kind of all-day comfort where someone like Tasha can say, I forgot to take these off, is letting your muscles, ligaments, and tendons work the way they're designed to work, not getting in the way of that. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. The 
subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 billion by 2025. As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, subscriptions strengthen the brand relationships with your customers and make it easy for customers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. That is rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. Did you know that loyal customers are nine times more likely to convert compared to a first-time shopper? That's why exceptional customer service is so important for your retention and growth. I recommend using Gorgeous, the leading help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce merchants. Gorgeous combines all your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It also integrates seamlessly with your existing tech stack so you can access customer information and even edit, return, refund, or create an order right from your help desk. To learn more, go to gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S.com and mention 2x e-commerce podcast for two months free that is gorgeous.com for two months free just mention 2x e-commerce so so are you front and center so two questions are you front and center of the brand or um do you work with um with like a a team of influencers and and the second is where all the above where do you distribute um you know these videos um is it youtube is it facebook is it instagram well how'd you do it yes 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 so um so for the first question both we have a bunch of influencers we sponsor some olympic teams and a number of olympic and professional athletes and by sponsor i just mean that we're providing footwear for them and they're working with us we're not really paying people to wear our shoes and talk about us we'll only work with someone if they call us and go oh my god these changed my life how can i help Mm -hmm. and uh and we're Putting this, and a lot of it is me as a talking head because I'm one of the leading experts on natural movement in the world, and so I have a lot to say. And uh, if something pops out of my or is like popping out of my skull, I'll turn on the video and just record it and get it out there. Uh, low production value definitely could be possibly better because you never know. Sometimes having low production value is better than high production value or even medium production value. So we're starting to test some of that and see. Um, and, and we're distributing it everywhere that we get a positive ROI from doing so. So right now, the only platforms 
where we have not found a way to get a positive return on our investment, which is ad spend plus additional costs, is Pinterest and TikTok. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. What is the demographic? What is it? Does it cut across all, all you know, all ages? It does. And, okay. it, it does. Um, it's. I mean, there's a there's sort of a hump, but for men and women between 25 and 45, but on either side of that, it goes pretty long. Um, and people do pretty much. Every, I like to say this would be easy if I only sold one product to that was purchased by women named Rachel who went to yoga on Thursday afternoons. But we have a lot of different products for a lot of different uses for a lot of different people. And they'll even take any single product and do 90 different things in it. So um, that's on the one hand challenging. On the other hand, it means that we've got a breadth to what we're doing that allows us to go kind of wide and cater to everybody. People say, who's your market? I say, um, well, mostly people with feet, preferably two, but you know, only one is necessary. <laughs> Seven billion people, hence, hence. Right. Yeah. And that's not, and that's not totally accurate because, you know, not everyone's going to pay $80 to $150 sure. for a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are totally always going to stick with something that looks like what they're used to versus something unusual or new, even though that we're not the intervention. This is what footwear looked like for thousands of years. This is the intervention, the modern athletic shoe. Um, but, um, uh, and there's some people who only want high fashion and we're not a high fashion company. Mm-hmm. So our customers, we like to, if in America, we refer to them as whole foods customers. So health and fitness minded men and women, um, or, or people like you who've had some sort of issue that they heard that doing something natural might help with. Mm-hmm. And it often does. So I mean, those are the, yeah. Uh, so, so, so I'm originally from Nigeria. My dad's Nigerian. My, my dad mm-hmm. lives in Nigeria. And I went to visit him over over the Easter holidays in April with with my family, um, my dad and my mom. And you know he has an injury on one of his legs, his toe, and his ankle. I noticed dad's always walking barefooted, and I just having this conversation, I just noticed that my dad's always, and for him, it's just more comfortable. Yeah, so he has yeah, this, yeah. he has these sandals which he wears. They're flat sandals. He wears Perfect. from time to time. But he's when he's in in and around the compound, the house, he he's yeah. barefooted, and for him, it's just comfortable, and it gives him more control. It is. All of the above, like I say, one of the things I say is, um, if you're going to do push-ups, do you squeeze your fingers together or do you no. spread them apart? No, you spread right. them apart. You don't squeeze your fingers together because because spread apart is what gives you balance and mobility and power production. It's the same thing with your feet. If you're squeezing your toes together. Um, then you don't have the ability to balance and move. You don't have balance, agility, mobility. And if you elevate your heel, that messes with your posture. And mm-hmm. if you have enough cushioning that you can't feel the ground, you have 200,000 nerve endings in the soles of each foot to tell your brain how to control the rest of your body, starting with your feet. And if you're not getting that sensation, you're making your feet dumb, and that's not smart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, 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 absolutely. Okay, so um, could you break down what your, you know, um, how you sort of split your, um, your, your focus and resources to like organic audience building to performance marketing, and then to just earned media, um, or, or press um, is, is, is there a science to, to how you, I mean, it's a big problem you're solving, but yes. you, you still have to be very smart in, the allocation of resources to to get to the impact you're you're currently you know, you know yeah delivering. we do it the exact we, we do it well this is a t- tricky way to answer on the one hand we do it upside down so it's all based on re- return on ad spend or return on investment if I 
I know, for example, if someone says, um, I've got this thing, it's going to drive new traffic to you, it's going to cost $1,000. I know, because I know my numbers really well, that if I'm spending $1,000, I need to have to see, as a result of that campaign, 2,000 high quality visitors to have a high probability of breaking even. And I can do go into the rest of the math having to do with average order value and uh, average uh, um, our conversion rate, et cetera, if it's mobile or desktop. But on average, 2,000 quality visitors for every $1,000 I spend. And if we're seeing that kind of return, then we just keep turning up the volume until we see diminishing returns. That's, if we aren't, we pull it back. That's 50 cents per click. Uh, well, it depends. I mean, there's other initiatives that are not click-based. They're not click-based, so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, organic is a different story because it's harder to track what you're doing. And, of course, you can't track people over multiple platforms and multiple devices because we're not all Chinese. Mm. And once we're Chinese, we can do that. Really? Um, you can't? But, In China? Okay, interesting. <laughs> oh, the, you can track everything. Uh, wow. And, yeah, and people say, you know, oh, I don't want to be tracked like that. No, nah, actually, you probably do when it comes to commerce, because you want people to present you information and ads for things that are useful for you. Exactly. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. all about relevance. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, there's that, that kind of ROAS math that I do at people. And, um, so we don't have a budget. We just spend money wherever it works because you can't just move money from something that's delivering a two times ROAS to something delivering a four times because it doesn't work that way. You can't scale it that way. And besides the two is good. Why don't I keep doing the two? I mean, why would I not spend that money? Um, I can spend money in all of those places because it's making money for us in a timely manner. If it took us a year to see the revenue, then that would be a different story. But we see it quickly. So we can do everything based on immediate return. Okay. And then there was another part to that. Um, just kind of the probability part is, is really <laughs> – actually, I'll say it this way. When people ask me for money for some marketing venture, I, I love to ask them back, how quickly and cheaply can I find out if you have your head up your ass? And they're like, what? And I ask it that way just to see how they react for one. Um, But the other is, you know, the only thing we can control is risk is how much money we're spending. We can't control the upside. When people tell me um, my favorite, they'll say on average, we see the following. I go, I don't want to hear it. You go, what? I go, first of all, you don't have a case study that's relevant for me. Secondly, on average, an average is a meaningless number. If you're going to tell me an average, I really need to know the maximum, the minimum, and the standard deviation to know what average really means. And then I have to work on the assumption I'm going to be below average because, again, all I can can mitigate is risk. And I need to know, is that the amount of money that I'm willing to waste to find out if it works? And that's a decision. I remember when my wife called me one day and said, anything you want to test for $1,000 or less, you don't need my permission anymore. Mm -hmm. We're making enough money, just go for it. And I started crying. And so now that number's higher, but I'm still very, very attentive. Oh, and the, the follow-up question to how quick and cheap can I find out if you have your head up your butt is what happens if you do? Mm. Are you just going to say, oh, sorry, and keep all my money? Or are you going to do something about it? Mm. And they go, well, we can't guarantee results. I went, yeah, you could. If you, knew, if you knew your business as a marketing vendor well enough, you would know how much money you make with a successful client and how much time it takes and how much money you don't make with the time that it took for an unsuccessful client. And you could do some very simple algebra to determine whether or not you're actually a viable business and whether you could offer a money back guarantee. 
They need to make and, a quick buck. <laughs> it wouldn't right. tell you that, would they? <laughs> right. No, well, most people have never done that math yeah. in their own business. Yeah, sure. And um, and to know because and ironically, if they did that math, they would be better equipped to go after customers where they had a better opportunity of being profitable yeah, sure. because they would know what makes what works, what fits for what their skill set is. But they're mostly just you know doing sort of scattershot. I'll take everybody and cross my fingers, and they'll mm-hmm. all say, "Well, we want a long term relationship." Well, of course, that's what you want, but you don't have that 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. So again, I've got to assume that I'm going to be a failure because that's how I make sure I can have enough money to, you know, live another day. That's true. That's true. That's true. Very, very true. Um, How important is the story? You know, we we started this conversation, you know, with your story and, you know, um, and Zero's story, Zero Shoes stories. Um, what percentage of your customers, your customer base, actually know your story? Is it important or is it really performance? You know, is it is it really binary and performance-based? Um, I would say it's both um, in that my personal story is not necessarily that important, although people relate to people. And so I love it when one of two things happens. When I bump into someone and they do know my story – and I love it even more when they don't know my story, when they know the story of the brand, when they understand what we're doing as a company and with our product more than they know me. I love that. Mm-hmm. We, my wife and I were just in New York City last week for some meetings. And um, there was one person on day one riding a bike by us, did a U-turn and yelled, Zero Shoes Guy, and came up and talked to us. He's a oh. customer. Okay. And then we're standing on a street corner a couple of days later, and there's an uh, Asian woman standing next to us who um, uh, is looking at my wife and smiling. And Lena was like, wow, people in New York are really nice. And she goes, you don't know me, but I interviewed you for Voice of America hmm. for China. And it was like, oh my God. And she had never seen us before, but recognized us somehow. And then there was a third guy who was wearing one of our competitors' products. And we ended up sitting on a park bench like 40 feet away from him. And he didn't know, he didn't know who I was, but he knew about me and came over and was like, you know, super happy to talk to us. So all of those things are important because if you're just a company, those conversations don't happen. At the same time, you have to run this thing with the assumption that at some point, um, that's not, you know, me, I'm not going to be the most important guy. I'm not going to be the face or the the biggest part of the brand. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be the face of the brand. It just kind of happened somewhat accidentally. Mm. And, um, uh, and it works for us in certain ways, but I'm sure there's undeniably people who aren't buying from me because they don't like me. I get it. I mean, I wish there was something I could do about that, but um, it's the way it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. This. This is. This is. This is very, very interesting. Um, over the last two and a half years, three years since two thousand and twenty, what do you think has been the most significant um, change in? in the marketing landscape, um, as it affects, you know, e-commerce, you know, businesses and, you know, D2C e-commerce. Um, well, obviously all the supply chain stuff affects everybody. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's caused a number of problems for consumers that affect companies and vice versa. Uh, one of the, of course, all the stuff with iOS 14 and privacy things that are making it more difficult to serve ads to people who actually want to hear from you, um, let alone people who may not. Uh, but I think one of the biggest changes is, 
I don't know about anywhere outside of the US, so I'll just say it this way. So many people got so used to buying so many things on Amazon that it's really moved a lot of buying from private brands to Amazon, mm. assuming they're on that platform. And there's pros and cons of that. I mean, we've seen our Amazon business grow tremendously, but um, Amazon customers have a very different mindset and Amazon treats their customers very differently. And so, um, but that, that demand or that expectation for free, unconditional shipping both ways and you get it five hours after you order it kind of, I mean, you know, th- that's been a big thing. And the other, sh- the other shift has been um, the way consumers are behaving. One of the things that's happened in the last few years, not just from COVID, is just that being outraged and, and screaming and yelling has become a sort of currency. That's how you get attention. The algorithms on Facebook are lopsided in that they give more value to things that are incendiary, hmm. the things that get people all riled up. And so one of the ways that I see this with customers is they're very quick to, quicker than ever, I've been selling things online since 1992, quicker than ever to complain rather than get a problem solved or ask for help online rather than call the company where they actually have the information about how to deal with the situation. And often, um, you know, say things in their complaints that are factually inaccurate. And there's no way to, to address that in a useful manner. In fact, Amazon, they've removed the ability to add comments to people or responses to people's comments. So if someone says something that's factually inaccurate, there's nothing I can do about it. Or even on Yelp, same thing on Yelp. We had a customer, a guy, wasn't even a customer. He asked for us to send him a free pair of shoes and we said no. And then he got on Yelp and started posting about what a horrible company we are, that someone got him a pair of shoes from a local store and our shoes were so bad he couldn't even return them to the store. And Yelp didn't care when I said, we've never sold a shoe from that store and he's not a customer. And here's the whole thread where he asked for free shoes and we said no. And here's, here's, the, here's the phone records for when he called me 300 times a day. Hmm. But they said, well, we think it's a valid review. But it's not a review. He's never seen our product. He's, he's making up a story and they're like, that's okay. We don't care. So just the entire landscape of conversations on the internet have just devolved in ways that are, I'm not trying to, you know, gripe about this as a guy running a company. I'm, I'm complaining about this as a human being who's looking at, to see, you know, are, what's happening to the relationships that we have with each other, given the way social media overvalues the worst of our personalities mm. and how anonymity, which is allowed on social media, just multiplies that by a thousand. Mm. It's funny. We've had times where someone has had a problem with a product because no product is perfect and they've complained online and we've had email volleys with them and it gets, you know, can get very, for reasons that make no sense, can get very heated. And our customer happiness team will say to me, what do I do? I go, it's easy. Call him, call her, pick up the phone. They, they expect that we're a nameless, faceless organization right. that doesn't care about them. Right. We're not that. We have our customer happiness team as a percentage of our company and our revenue is very, overs- quote, oversized because we think customer service is really important. And providing good customer service is not that hard if you care. And we do. So, you know, it's like get someone on the phone and have a conversation with a human being. There's times where eventually 
that doesn't work. And I go, have the person call me. I give out my personal phone number in uh, two of the different email sequences that we have. And three times a week, I have conversations that start like this. Hi, this is Steven. Oh my God. Because they don't believe that I just gave away my personal phone number. Right. Why wouldn't I? I'm here to help. And people, but people just don't believe that because, and partly for good reasons, things like phone companies, cell phone companies realized years ago, they don't need to provide good customer service because there's only a few cell phone companies. If you leave this one and go to the next one, there's someone from that next one who's leaving that and coming to you. So, you know, some companies created the correct impression that some companies just don't So so what what you're saying is um, the legacy a brand has sort of accumulated over a decade or more can, in some instances, be questioned or um, be tainted mm-hmm. by you know an unscrupulous or an angry person who probably even has personal issues um online and it spreads faster than than all of the goodwill because it's it's bad news yeah. the, the, the internet the algorithms yeah. um on the platforms in which people congregate um seems to sort of um you know just escalate and um just favor um, negativity, yeah. and then that get pick, that gets picked up by the press, and then all of a sudden yeah. is in it's, it's everywhere. Um, yeah, it's a, you know the number of times where there's been a story of some horrible thing that someone's come, happening about, and you research it, it was like one person, yeah, and it was a non-story, yeah. But um, there's a book by Ryan Holiday called "Trust Me, I'm Lying." Right. Ryan was the um, head of, of social media and marketing for American Apparel. And you read that book and you, and it, it came out, I don't know, 10 years ago. And, but you read that book and you come to the inescapable conclusion that because of the way social media algorithms work, money comes from clicks, clicks come from outrage. And uh, in many ways, uh, um, that's the fastest way to get clicks. So the more outrage, there's a line about news. If it bleeds, it leads. And on uh, that has just moved over to the internet uh, and social media in ways that, again, just cater to the worst aspects of human beings. And um, But you finish reading Trust Me, I'm Lying, and you feel like there's never going to be a civil conversation again mm. uh, because everyone's in their own little silo. It used to be that we all had this access to the same information, and we could debate the information, but we were starting from the same starting point. Mm. And now there's people who are never the twain shall meet. Mm. Interesting. So you mentioned Amazon. Um, do you actively sell on Amazon at the, at the moment? Um, is there issues? Okay. Um, how, what's your channel diversification like at zero issues? Um, you, you sell D2C. Um, are you on mm-hmm. Shopify, D2C? Um, we're not Shopify. Um, interesting. We're a WooCommerce shop. What? Yeah, Shopify. Sh- Shopify is an example of one of the things. So again, I've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I've seen certain things happen where certain products become like the bell of the ball. It's just like everyone thinks that they're the most popular, even when they're not. They just have a certain kind of cachet for reasons that are mysterious because they're not the best version or they're not the best solution for that thing. Mm-hmm. But they became popular. Here, I'll remember. I'll give you one. Remember when, when Mailchimp was like the hottest thing for oh, yeah. email marketing? Yeah. When did, when did that stop? Um, when they were kicked off Shopify, I think, I guess. I don't know. 
But you know, it was a it was like you had to be on Mailchimp, yeah. even though it was not a very powerful platform. Yeah. Shopify is the same thing. It's easy to get up and running, but it's by far not the best platform for a lot of reasons. So anyway, that's a whole tangent. But I mean, <laughs> I've watched them come and go many, many times in the last thirty years. Uh, so we're a WooCommerce shop. We sell direct. We sell in retail internationally. We're in about 500 stores internationally. We have distributors internationally as well. Uh, and the pie is getting bigger and the slices are changing their pr- proportion. And I don't really care how the pie pieces divvy up because if we're suddenly selling to more distributors, I'm helping more people have a, make a living and feed their families and get shoes onto people's feet that will help them live a happier life. Yeah. I don't care that we're not getting the same margin. If the volume's getting bigger, that's okay. Yeah. So we're so I'm not trying to to um, give precedence to one channel over another. The only thing we're trying to do is run a profitable business that can continue to grow and help people. Super, super, super interesting. The ubiquity of um, just having your your shoes everywhere, you know, your brand everywhere, I think is is a moat against, um, you know, um, just bad press in in a way. Yeah. Because people see it, they they know for sure that um, you know the quality is not what anybody else you know is saying online because they've seen interacted right. it's in their favorite st- interacted with your shoes in in their favorite stores. So. Well, and um, footwear is one of those things that people like to try things on. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a hassle to order something, get return. it, try it, return it. So, Even if yeah. you made that, if you made that as hassle-free as possible, it's still a hassle. Yeah. And so um, there was a, an industry expert who thought that footwear sales online would never get above 40% of total footwear sales. Mm-hmm. And in the last two years, we've gotten to about 35%. And he may be right, but he's also overweighting things like if you know a brand and you're familiar with the brand, you don't need to go to a store to buy another product from that brand. No, you just need you know, to know you, your size. You can do it directly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, it's, so, so the tricky thing for an upstart brand is to kind of capture some of that market share somehow and then move them over. Look, here's one of the unspoken truths about the relation in an omni-channel marketing company, the relationship between uh, direct-to-consumer and retail. And this unspoken secret is that companies, the direct-to-consumer side, is essentially trying to use the retail store to, to steal customers because the retail store is not going to carry the entire product line. So how can we get their customer to then come shop for us? Now, here's where most people get it wrong. They then try to exploit the retail stores. We try to help the retail stores. We will advertise for them. We will do various forms of marketing for them. We'll create promotions for them and drive traffic from our list to them because we also know people want to go try things on in the store. Mm. And we also know that if we do that and we support them better than their other brands, then when it's time for them to place an order, that next season's order is going to be bigger because they know us, they like us, they trust us, they've seen that we want to help them. Yeah. And again, I'm just trying to get more shoes on more people's yeah. feet. It's, I don't care how it happens. It's down to impact, really, you know, the, the amount of impact you want to make. And you realize that with partnerships, uh, the further you go, you know, it's just, it's just that simple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I, I could go on and on and on. I just have two major <laughs> questions I want to ask you, which the first one is like, how do you optimize your experience, particularly your customer's experience for like habitual purchase or repeat, repeat um, purchase? What, what, 
what intentional systems and processes have you put in place in your marketing and retention efforts to to get people to 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 buy again and again and i know there's 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 the answer of like the product does it you know obviously the product will do yeah. it but sometimes you need to nudge people um yep. so so what nudges do you have in place and um is it is it is it um, sophisticated it's getting more sophisticated um but there's a lot that's um, based on email marketing. So we have a newsletter that goes out weekly mm-hmm. where we try to provide entertaining content, informative content, and of course, information about what's going on uh, and product information. There's some people who bought our sandals who don't know that we sell snow boots or who bought um, a women's dress shoe who don't know that we sell hiking boots or whatever combination you can think of. So there's a very comprehensive email marketing strategy for new customers, for customers who have not purchased over some period of time, for customers who've purchased many times. I have uh, one email that I send out. I think the subject line is something like, um, am I a moron? And the gist of the message is, you just ordered enough times that you're now one of our best customers. (laughs) Most marketers would say it's stupid to offer you a discount because you've already proven that you're willing to spend full price or buy at full price. So if you think I'm an idiot, you don't need to use this coupon that I'm giving you in, in this email. Uh, but if you want to, my pleasure. I can't thank you enough. And that performs really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, now I want to be clear. We try to avoid discounting like the plague because we don't want to train people to believe that our shoes are discounted or all the time. And we're already selling a more affordable product than our competition that lasts longer anyway. So the net cost is even better. So there's just a lot of things we're experimenting with to um, just get people more engaged and to spread the word. Word of mouth is one of the number one drivers for our business. Um, and just acknowledge them, just to have the closest thing you can have to a conversation. I do send an email to some of our best customers saying, you know, once again, you've become one of our best customers. I'd love to say hi and thank you. Feel free. Here's my number. Mm-hmm. And again, I get like one call a week and we have a great time. Never had a conversation that wasn't fascinating mm-hmm. uh, from doing that. Um, Wait, what was the other part that you asked? Oh, oh, there's one other thing actually we do as well. Sorry. We keep expanding the product line. Right. The way our products have evolved is people saying, I love the shoes that you have for this, but I also need a shoe for that. Right. And so that goes into expanding the line and gives people more reasons to get involved with what we're doing. And last but not least, I call our shoes addictively comfortable because once you get used to natural movement, you just can't go back to wearing something that messes with your posture and squeezes your toes together and makes it so you can't feel the ground. Hmm. Super interesting. Uh, I like the fact that the the product expansion bit. So you're listening to your customers, yeah. and then you're you're, yes. you're you're expanding. Um, what functions of your business do you think um really embrace the culture of experimentation and continuous improvement? Um, which ones don't? Um, we, ay ay ay. Everybody in the company is always looking for ways to make things work better. Literally, the customer happiness team, our warehouse team. We had we had someone in our warehouse say, I just noticed that we're getting some p- products back for exchanges where uh, it cost us $80 in shipping mm. because there was a glitch in one of the systems where if they had ordered 10 products and returned one, we had to pay for shipping as if they returned all 10. Mm. And... Um, so he found that and said, what can we do about this? Like, oh my God, we would have never known otherwise because it was just a bottom line of an accounting spreadsheet. Um, our customer happiness team, you know, we, we talk with them, our, our COO is talking with them constantly just about what they're hearing 
from people? What's working? What's not working? And what can we do to make things easier for you guys? We're always looking at that. We're split testing things constantly on the site, uh, in email, with advertising. We're looking to do more of that and more and better of that. Um, we're, I refer to it as four-dimensional chess to build out the kind of messaging at every different level of the funnel, and then the follow-up messaging based on how they interacted with that messaging and the website and other parts that we have some uh, some view into from attrib- from an attribution standpoint. So there's there's just a, uh, this is what keeps me up at night is the answer to that question is like all the myriad things that you can do to make things work better. Yeah. Uh, and and I'll give you a fun example of one that we were convinced was two that we were convinced we're going to uh, now one that we were going to convince was going to make a big deal. We saw that there was a lot of people who were not selecting a color and a size of a shoe before they clicked add to cart. And so we kept trying to tweak the error message to make it clear what they needed to do differently. And we met someone who said, no, you just have to make the process more obvious so they know they have to do it. Well, we made the process more obvious, thinking that it would make us more money because it was less friction for them to add something to cart. Didn't make a difference didn't make any difference because people who wanted to buy our product the were intent. so committed to buying. Yeah. <laughs> the intent was there. <laughs> yeah. They'll, now, skip, they'll mean, skip any hoops to, 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 to right. get it. Yeah. So, yeah. So that doesn't mean, you know, don't fix it. It yeah. just means that, wow, we thought that was going to suddenly give us a 10% lift yeah. and it gave us no It, it might give you like you know, 1% or so, but, but no. Something, yeah. something you couldn't really yeah. identify. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. you know, it made life better for people. That's good enough yeah. for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's some things we do that definitely don't make us as much money as they could, but it doesn't annoy our customers yeah. or it makes their life better. I mean, I mean so, that, that, that care for the experience at every level yeah. is – is what makes That's I think it. separates great great companies from from just just okay companies. You know, it's um, uh, yeah, and and you know, here's an, a variation of that. Um, there's a guy who runs a company called Conversion XL named Pep Laya. Oh, Pep, yeah, I know he's been on the podcast. So, oh, has he? Uh, Pep's great. Yeah. So Pep, um, we were at a WooCommerce event together. Um, he was a keynote speaker. I was an like invited gold guest something whatever um they paid my way and uh his his opening slide said there are no best practices Mm -hmm. at which point i jumped on my chair and started screaming and clapping and people thought i was crazy (laughs) but i've tested so many things that people said oh this is going to bump up conversion or improve you know fill in the blank and found that it didn't for us um and some i found out it didn't for anybody but the companies won't tell you that that's a whole other story but uh You've got to test everything, especially the things that you think it's just obvious. I mean, you need trust seals because that builds trust. Well, for some people, it tells them that you're not trustworthy because otherwise, why do you need to hit them over the head with all these trust seals? Mm -hmm. So it's just as a simple example. And uh, just be willing to look at everything you're doing and wonder, what if I do the opposite? I mean, I've got a friend who's got a website that looks like it was built in 1915. Mm. And people keep saying, you need to make it you know, look better. He goes, I make $10 million a year. Shut up. Mm-hmm. You know, And it works for him and his audience that way. So, Or people say, you, need, you make your site. Everything needs to look like a Shopify site. No, no, no. Because trust me, in a year, everyone's going to be sick of seeing things that all look like Shopify yeah. sites. You've got to be, so, go against the grain sometimes. Be, right. my, my, wait, I've got to give you this last line about sure. that. What I say to people often is I say, I've been an internet marketer since 1992. That means I have a lot of opinions 
and I don't give a shit what any of them are. I just care about the data. Yep. Yeah, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, um, just wrapping up, just one quick question okay. on, around Amazon. Um, do you fulfill um, as a merchant or do you fulfill by Amazon? We are FBA, You're so FBA. we send wow. them stuff and they ship it so, out. So how do you yeah. manage, you know, forecasting and sorry it's, it's, it's a question i asked before but with with amazon it's it's you know it's, really, um, you, it's even harder um you get sanctioned really if, if you get it wrong yeah i mean we're lucky we're doing enough volume that we're not getting hit with storage fees okay and so we just try to make sure we that whenever possible we have enough inventory that we're not running out of anything because if you run out of inventory then they ding you on everything that you're doing mm. um and so um, we basically just try to keep about four weeks of inventory in stock there. Interesting, interesting. Okay, before I let you go, we have a, an evergreen rapid fire question round. I'm going to ask you five to six questions. If you can answer them with a single sentence, you're kosher. Have you learned nothing from talking to me for the last hour about whether I could do something in a single sentence? This is, this, this is the part that really counts, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, I'll do my best. Okay, single sentence. Okay, okay. all right, wait. I, Hold on, I gotta, I, sure. I gotta get psyched up for this. All right, okay. Are right, uh, you a morning person? Yes. What's your morning? What's your daily morning routine like? You want me to get granular? All right. I roll out of bed. I go to the bathroom. I put the leash on the dog. We take a walk. I come home. I jump in the hot tub. I get out of the hot tub. I sometimes take a shower. I usually don't. I make some breakfast. I, uh, uh, sorry, I roll out of bed. I go to the bathroom. I check my email to make sure nothing exploded. Take the dog for a walk. Jump in the hot tub. Uh, on the weekends, I do the crossword puzzle in the hot tub. Uh, make some breakfast. Go to work. Okay, fine, fine. Succinct. <laughs> um, what book are you currently reading or listening to? <laughs> um, I can't remember what it's called. It's a book about dog training because my wife and I just got this dog. We've never had a dog before oh. and it's a rescue dog. So I'm reading books about dog training. Some functional books. Okay. Right. Yes. What two things can't you live without? Television and my wife. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, final question is what has been your best mistake to date? I mean, a setback that's given you the biggest feedback. I can't answer that one because I, <laughs> my wife refers to this as one of my most confusing and endearing qualities is that I don't seem to remember setbacks or if they're a setback, I don't frame them that way. So I just don't have a, I don't see the world that way. I see everything as a, res everything is transpiring after I made the best decision that I could. And if it worked great and if it doesn't, I just try to move on to the next thing as quickly as I can. So I don't see any of them as setbacks. I can tell you mistakes that I made that cost me hundreds of millions of dollars, but that's not the same. That was just a bad decision, like sending a cease and desist letter quickly enough that someone could get out of the situation they were in before they had to pay me a hundred million dollars. That was just stupid, yep. um, but not a setback. It was just a, um, cause it wasn't, it wasn't like I lost something. I just didn't get something. Mm -hmm. So I'll pass that. So if you could choose a single book or resource that's made the highest impact on how you view building a business and growth, which would it be? <laughs> uh, Fooled by Randomness by um, Nassim Taleb, who also wrote uh, The Black Swan. Oh, yeah. um, the subtitle of Fooled by Randomness is The Hidden Role of Chance in Markets and Life. And back to my previous point about how much of this is luck um, and not things that are in your control, uh, very, very helpful to 
understand reality instead of what you think reality is. Yeah, I really like your your, your point on survivor bias um, on a conversation before yeah. we started recording. Stephen, I yeah, think yeah. this has been the best um, founder interview I've had in a while, oh. a very, very long oh, while. You. You're very open. You're an open book. Um, you've done phenomenally well. Wish you guys the best in Zero Shoes. It was a pleasure and honor to have you on the 2X e-commerce podcast. It's very, very kind of you, even if you're lying to me. I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) The proof is in the pudding. We we recorded for it for what? 72 minutes now, I guess. So this has been a real treat. Amazing. Amazing. Good stuff. Good stuff. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.